0: This podcast is presented by Rabbi Parrots Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello and welcome to the Rabbi Parrots Podcast Rosh Hashanah Series Daytime Edition. Daytime, morning time for the Jewish people on Rosh Hashanah, there's usually an overwhelmingly large presence at synagogues. But this year, synagogue is not relevant. What is relevant is you connecting to what prayer is and connecting to what Rosh Hashanah is and having a deep inner dialogue between the force that sustains you and the force that creates the world, having a deep inner core dialogue about what are your values, what you believe in, and what is real to you. Prayer has many forms. One can meditate, One can read the words and let the words take them on a journey. One can deeply understand the history and the meaning of all the liturgy and be able to tap into their subliminal messages. But all forms of prayer are prayer. And even on Rosh Hashanah, where we have a big machza or a big prayer book, you can still understand that prayer is beyond the words. It's some inner dialogue that is happening within you. And you can see that very deeply in the themes of Rosh Hashanah. So I'd like to present the themes of the prayer service so you get an idea of what we're praying for. When we look at Rosh Hashanah, we look at it as the beginning of creation for the human experience. We don't celebrate the building of the world on Rosh Hashanah. We celebrate the experience of humanity that is built somewhat above it. In Judaism, you will see the term as human beings are crown of creation. They represent the pinnacle ability to either lead it and grow within it and partner within it, or, of course, destroy it and harm it. And we are at a time now where we have to think about our space within that. And in order to think about where we fit in with all this, it's time to pray. Prayer is that core inner dialogue of what are my values and who am I and what am I all about. (sighs) Always take a deep breath before you start thinking about prayer. And think about the breath itself as a metaphor for the vitality that comes in and out of us. And all it is asking for is for us to appreciate the life that we have. All of prayer begins with gratitude. The deep gratitude to tap into the life force that sustains you. From the first moment you open your eyes, till well deep into the prayers, the tradition is to speak words of gratitude. There is a psalm, Psalm 30, written by King David, And it's called an inauguration poem. And he writes this inaugural poem for coming into the temple. And he never made it to the temple. His son built the temple. He never gets to see it. But his inaugural poem was said there every day to talk about the gratitude of being able to have a house of worship. The temple is a metaphor for us. It is a metaphor for a central nervous system where if we can just reach inside a temple, we can connect to all the energy of the universe. That temple resides within your heart. It resides within your mind. The ability to tap into the central nervous system of creation, the energy that binds us all, it begins with gratitude. It begins with confidence. The confidence that things are going to work out. King David wrote that poem. He had confidence that the building would be built and they would need an inaugurary poem and song to inspire the masses. And even though he never made it, to that, he was sure that it would be worth it, it would be there, and his poem would be the, lead the way. What an incredible, inspiring idea for ourselves. Let's inaugurate the new year. Let's talk to ourselves, inner dialogue, about how it's going to be a great year, and we will tap into our values and our meaning, and we will do the best we can. What an incredible way to start the new year with this type of confidence stemming from the gratitude of our breath and of our vitality that flows within us. So this is really what it's all about. It's all about tapping into these ideas, whether it's through the poetry of psalms or the alphabetically driven hymns that are written throughout the Rosh Hashanah liturgy, trying to establish order and rhythm to our mind, to our spirit, and of course to our year. The main thing is see beyond the words. See the words as merely the beginning to inspire your imagination for your own growth and for your own gratitude. So this is the example that we're getting. The example we're getting is as we read these words in the prayers, we're getting an example of what it means to see beyond what's happening to us minute to minute, day to day. For example, we talk to God. Talk to God can feel very, very difficult because God feels like this old man in the sky judging us. Nothing could be further from the essence of godliness. Godliness is the inner compass of each and every solitary thing in the universe having meaning and having deep connection and purpose to the energy of the universe, hence its interconnectedness. So whenever we use terms for godliness, we use absolute terms to showcase what we're truly confronting. For example, Abraham called God, Godol. Godol means big. And what Abraham was saying is big, big has no meaning Today even, in modern language, to describe something as big is really not describing much at all. The only real description of big that speaks to me personally is when you call someone big. That is big of you. When somebody does an act that is larger than themselves. For God to create life and endow it with free choice is an act of kindness. It's not an act of boredom or the monk trying to create the perfect perfection symbiosis God creating the world with individuals and every person being different represents an infinite kindness. The ability for each person to thrive in a universe is an act of kindness, which Abraham called big. So the words in prayer are there to elicit great imagination and great excitement. There is no greater word in the Rosh Hashanah liturgy than king, God as king, and that is the main theme of of Rosh Hashanah service, is talking to God as king, you might even say the coronation of God. It brings up so many different points. For starters, what on earth would God want a title king? A king is at worst a dictator, and at best a Disney character. King doesn't seem to really inspire godliness, it inspires petty dictatorship and judgment. Well, that is if you reside with historical ideas of king, of abuse of power. But if you reside in the nostalgia of there is a nobility, there is a dignity, there is a kingship that represents the confidence of the kingdom and gives the kingdom its vision and gives the kingdom its inspiring view to be a whole nation, that's a different conversation. But on Rosh Hashanah, we're not even calling God king because he's a great leader or because he is a he at all. We are calling God king because we are talking about world collision. A king represents a nation as it connects with other nations. When God created the world from nothing to something, the final emotion was dignity. Because dignity represents my world connecting with your world. If we're going to connect with the force of making the human experience and creation at all, if we're going to confront what it means to have godliness in this world, and Rosh Hashanah, the word king is going to be the most important meditation of all. What does it mean to confront true dignity, my world to you world? Do you lift me or do you crush me? These is the biggest theme and question. There is a prayer that we say every morning called the Yishtabach, Yishtabach has 15 words of praise in it, corresponding to the 15 steps that you would walk up into the temple. And as you would walk into the temple, you would walk up in each step. The Levites played songs representing praise. What is praise? After the series of gratitude in the prayers, we have praise. Praise is not about saying something is greater than you. Praise is about acknowledging the infinite steps it takes for things to work out. True praise is about being able to identify how unique of a circumstance it takes for life to come together. This is really what we're trying to achieve in prayer. Really get into the nuances of existence. That is the inner dialogue. Thus, during the week, we have shorter prayers because who has time to go through your whole entire existence? However, you need to have a consistent conversation, so you do every morning. Then comes Shabbat. Shabbat, we have more time, so therefore the prayer goes longer. And on Rosh Hashanah, we create even more time. It goes even longer than that. Hasidim of old used to pray for hours on end. And maybe some of these ideas that I'm sharing with you can give you some insight on how they could pray for so long. What were they were thinking about, what they were meditating on. So now that you can get this as a background to what prayer is, let me go into the weeds of what the theme of Rosh Hashanah is. The theme of Rosh Hashanah begins with malchiyut. It means kingship, but what it really means is to be present. The idea of confronting true royalty and true dignity of self to somebody else is an act, is a deep act of dignity. And in order to have dignity, You need presence you need the acknowledgement of the moment and who you're connecting to if you meet someone and they don't give you the time of day it's an insult to your dignity it's an insult to the process of being present the idea of having godliness in this world is to be present with what's happening around you if you have a relationship that you want to uplift you bring dignity by being present and tuning into the other person the main theme of Rosh Hashanah, God as King, is represented here with this idea of being present. And only when you're present could you then go on to theme number two, which is about the past. And the past is not just about remembering what has happened, it's building an inner trust that things will work out. We are able to tap into thousands of years of history of Rosh Hashanahs where people did not know if they'd have food to eat or whether they'd stay in their land or whether they'd be at war. The most incredible challenges faced our people for centuries, and yet they made it. Yet they were able to find a way to navigate it and stick to their value and to their cores. Thinking of the past after truly being present, adds a sense of confidence to this journey that we're on, that it will work out, that we will persevere, and we will get through this tumultuous time. The last theme, of course, of if we did the present and then we did the past, is the future. And the future is a call to action and celebration. The future is always about being able to tap into these incredible moments of, of partnership. The future is all about what we could accomplish and what we can manifest. And all of it comes through a deep call. The call of course, is the call of the shofar. The shofar is the vitality, the breath that goes on from in you that is part of the world, that is part of the spirit, that is part of the divinity that is brought into the world. And you take that and you put it through a horn, something truly physical, and you blast out a noise, a yearning, a call, a passion. It's the ultimate expression of trust that things are going to work out. The shofar was blasted in many different environments, but always a call to something coming your way with great great anticipation, and more importantly, with great trust that it would happen and go through. This Rosh Hashanah, take the link below that is a Rosh Hashanah prayer book. Go through some of the prayers, get to know some of your own history, connect to yourself, be present. Use the tools of gratitude. Use the tools of confidence and trust to actualize an inner dialogue of values and deepening within self. Maybe you hit God and divinity, maybe not, but what you will find is is the ability to maintain a thought that there is meaning to everything. And if you can have that type of presence, then you could contextualize the past, even if it's traumatic. And if you can be present and contextualize your traumas, you can certainly have confidence, trust, and excitement for the future of joy and celebration, which will inevitably happen in your life. It is coming your way. So please take a moment this Rosh Hashanah to do something that you could never do in synagogue. Totally tune into your inner voice, totally tune into yourself, and realize that the way you pray is fully within you. And I'll leave you with a story to illustrate this idea. There was the great great Hasidic master who began the whole story of the Hasidic journey into the New World, and his name was the Balshemtov, and every year he would choose one of his elite disciples to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. This year he chose his disciple Zev Kitsus. And he taught Zev for a month before the holiday all the secrets and thoughts and depth of the chauffeur, that when he blows it for the people that year, he would have all the incredible ability to transmit the deepest mystical secrets and affect the world in a positive way. As he practiced, he realized he was overwhelmed with trepidation, so he wrote on a piece of paper all the different thoughts to have during the blowing of the chauffeur. As he stood up there in front of the congregation and the holy Baal Shemtov, and he took out his chauffeur, he stuck his hand in his breast pocket to take out his notes on the secret meditations from the mystics and Kabbalah that he can have during the chauffeur blowing. And lo and behold, he can't find the paper. It isn't there. Everyone's waiting. chauffeur to be blasted. Cannot find the paper. Zev has no choice, and with a tear in his eye and deep trepidation, he blows the chauffeur. When the service was over, he's trying to hustle out of the shul so the balshemtov doesn't see him. He feels like such a disappointment, and the balshemtov comes up to him, Zev, thank you for the most incredible chauffeur blowing of all time. Zev says, I'm sorry, master. I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. I missed all the things you told me to think about during the blowing of the chauffeur. I forgot my paper, and I was not able to call in those meditative deeds. And the Baal looks at him with a smile and he says, Every single prayer is like a key. And in the world, there are gateways and pathways. And different keys open up different pathways. But there is a master key that open up all roads ahead. And that is the broken heart. The true yearning for something deeper, for something better, and for a better future. May you all be blessed with this deep yearning for a better future. And if you have this yearning, you will certainly upgrade your values, tighten your moral compass, get excited for your roots and who you are and for your future, what you will become. There's a place I go to When no one knows me It's not lonely It's a necessary thing It's a place I made up Find out what I made up The nights I stayed up Counting stars and fighting sleep